The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on The DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how are you doing today? Oh, hectic, running around, had to take care of some business. In a lot of different ways, but good to go. Good to go. And, you know, speaking of taking care of business, we have a couple guests here. um, And I guess I'm going to give them the proper introduction here. Hailing from the mean streets of South Central, they are the hardest essays in the game. They are the most hated guys in the city. They are the baddest players in the game. Danny and Ricky Los Suavecitos. Yo, what's good? So many people in here. You know what I'm saying? It was only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time, right, bro? Yeah. Yeah, it was like, wow. It was like, oh, guess who the next guests are? I'm like, oh, cool. Reno Scum. And it's like, oh, Suavecitos. (laughs) Whoever the heck the Reno Scum are. I don't even know who those fools are. Who are those fools? They're 40? Uh, close to 50, I think. Oh, okay, for sure. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, speaking of you guys being in the new generation of up-and-coming tag teams, let me ask you guys, um, how did you guys navigate in finding your ways to FSW? Was it, did you both have uh, aspirations to become wrestlers when you were younger? What was the reasoning of starting up at FSW? Wanna go first, Foo? You can go, Foo. All right. So, um, uh, as a kid, I always been a fan, and I was like, "Damn, that's really something I would want to do." But like, I I didn't know like where or like you know if there was any even any schools or anything like that. So like, once I graduated high school, I started hearing about like this FSW stuff or this FSW place, and I was like, "Oh shit," you know. It's a school, you know, I could start training. You know, I would have been dope to like start after high school, but like kind of took a while. But you know, I eventually like heard about the school and like I just showed up. And then like first day, I kid you not, like I meet my boy, like he was paying uh Joe um the fee. And like a couple minutes afterwards, I walk in, it's just like boom, like, we met the first day. But like people, it's crazy because like people think that like we've been knowing each other since like years and years before but like nah we like we met the first day so that was pretty cool joe is it uh rare that uh like was that the only time that they paid their dues was that first meeting when they met each other now uh you know let's not differentiate danny and ricky ricky's a lot better you know danny struggles hey i got you i got you bro and then all of a sudden he disappears you know what i'm saying 
And Danny, why did you uh, get into uh, wrestling and, and start up at the uh, at the school? What was going on in your life that brought you this way? Uh, yeah, like everybody else, like ever since I was a little kid, I knew this was a, this was what I was gonna do. Like, you know it from a little kid. Like, and then yeah, after high school, you know, um, you know, because I I wrestled in high school all for years. So after high school, I was like, man, maybe I should give this wrestling thing a try. You know, you know, uh, I did some like MMA stuff like uh, right after high school, and then I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go try this FSW place out. I'm gonna go do this. And like my brother said, literally when I walked in for my first day, I met him. Like literally, like he walked in two minutes. It was destiny. You know what I'm saying? It was destiny for sure. Uh, if I'm pretty certain, your brother trained for like a month. Your real brother trained for like a month, right? Yeah, yeah, Fausto, yeah, he trained for like a month, but then he got hurt. They say in an easy game, not everyone can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, Joe, did when when two guys like that walk into the school and they're excited, they're youthful, you know, everything is in front of their eyes, the future. Um, is that something that you take notice when you first talk to, to you know, anyone coming in? Because you kind of can feel the excitement of someone who might have the potential of sticking with it as compared to now and injuries aside, but you know, there's, there's people who show up, they pay their dues for the first, you know, week or so they, they try it out and then they're never seen again in, in most wrestling schools. So what is it that you see in guys like the Suavecitos that shows you that, you know, these guys are kind of serious in what they're trying to pursue well initially danny was way quieter than he really is in real life you know what i mean it's like he's a loud motherfuckers always talking but you know when he came in in the beginning he was he was very quiet you know introduced himself this is what he wanted to do ricky's been is pretty quiet to begin with so i think that's why they kind of connect you got the high and you got the low so it kind of puts him back in the middle you know, like Rick, Ricky's in charge of keeping Danny in line a little bit because Danny can get overzealous. And, you know, to a lot of people, he might rub them the wrong way. But I understand the passion that he has. And, you know, sometimes, as I said, he gets a little or a lot overzealous. And, you know, you, you got to kind of reel him in. But it comes from a place where, you know, does he work hard? Yeah. Have they, did they progress very quickly? Yeah. You know, was I around all the time to see that? No, but I was told by the trainers like, Hey, check out, check out these guys, you know? And at that time there was no name and they didn't get put to be in a tag team other than I needed two guys in a match. And I thought, Hey, these two guys, they're young, they're newer, you know, let's just put them together. And then after that, you know, they got their name and, you know, the, the rest is history. You know, we, you know, we like to talk about, you know, the levels and the experience and, you know, we always talk about the R&B and the unguided and, and, you know, death proof. And those guys have been doing it for years and years and years. And then you got guys 
like Creature Feature and Suavecitos and Sky High, who are relatively new in the game. And they're all, you know, struggling to find their spot, you know. And, you know, guys like, you know, Danny, you know, he, he wants that main event. You know, he, he thinks he should be in the main event. And even though I tell him you're out of your mind or shut the fuck up, you know, you, you need to have that mentality because if your mentality is, which is with a lot of people, like, hey, I'm just happy to be on the show, you're not going to get to the level that you possibly could if you're not that hungry. You know, there was guys when they first came in, the Hammerstones and the Chris Bays and the Crosses, that they were never happy where, where they were at. They always wanted to be at another level. And, you know, that's something you can't teach, you know, so – Despite the, the rockiness of just, you know, sometimes being a little crazy and and pissed off and things like that, you know, when they're in the ring, in most cases, sometimes they get stupid, you know, but they work hard. They have good matches and they also understand when they have shit matches. And I'm going to also say, because I one of the last matches they had uh, with the bad bitches you know, on paper, hey, this was going to be really cool. And it pretty much sucked, but that's what happens. And getting them to understand, because they always think, as we always joke, that, uh, oh, Suavecitos are on the show, it's going to be a banger. You know, that, that, that's his favorite word. And, you know, when you're up and coming, regardless of what you're capable of doing, some days it just doesn't work. And some days what you're looking to do just doesn't happen the way you want. And it's how you react to that, which is what's going to make a good tag team great and a great tag team amazing. Yeah, and that's a very good point. Um, you know, when you guys are looking at the matches afterwards, um, who do you guys turn to first before – you know, obviously Joe was out usually calling play by play. So when you guys get back through the curtain, are there guys you seek out for advice that seen a match or how does it work for you guys in your process of trying to grow from the experience that you guys are getting in the ring? Oh, for sure. Like, uh, like for example, like right after the match, Jay Vadal is our boy. Like that's, that's our boy. He'll always watch her matches, and right after the match, he'll be like, hey, blah, 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 blah. And then, of course, you know, later throughout the week, we'll have tape study with, like, Simbodi. Simbodi really helps us a lot with the tape study. And then Cody would watch our matches and message us and give us critiques, too. So it's just, like, a handful of people, too. Hyperstreak, same thing. Yeah. And, and Ricky, for you, um, you know, Danny has that um, – that presence of uh, the confidence and the swagger, but you are more of a, a very, uh, you know, quiet type. When you analyze the matches, are you more cerebral than Danny is? Are, are you more of a person who looks at it like, hey, if we did A and B, that will give us C, whereas Danny might be like, I don't care about A or B, let's just get to C. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could say that. Like, I always like to say that uh, I let my talking, I let my, I let my, um, whatever I do in the ring 
do the talking for me, you know. Um, I think it's just about that balance. You know, Joe always says that my boy is like the louder one. I'm kind of just like the laid back one. And I think that there's a good balance that needs to be in there. But like when it comes to like matches, like I guess you could say that I'm more like like how you said the the cerebral one. But like you know, I'll, at the end of the at the end of the day, we're just trying to like put on the mess uh, the best match possible because we see every match like as a different opportunity. You know, like if we do like if we if we if we show out, we get to hopefully do something better the next time. You know, so. At the end of the day, that's our goal. Just you know, and eventually, hopefully, steal the show. <laughs> and Joe, when you look at uh, two guys like the Suavecitos, and you start seeing progress, you start seeing how they're they're gelling together. At what point do you, like the trainers or yourself start in, uh, implementing or, or putting into? their um scope that might not be on the radar of workouts and nutrition and because a lot of times guys will come in they'll start training but there's not much there so regardless if they you know work out or not it doesn't really matter but with a team like this where they're up and coming and you're going to be seeing them start wrestling uh you know some bigger guys um what would it be like to get a student or students to start focusing on, you know, the body and what kind of fuel they're putting in um, to get them to that next level where they're performing at a, just a little bit of a higher, um, you know, rate of performance? You know, that's going to come from the trainers. That's going to come from these guys talking to other guys, seeing a guy like Jay Vidal, who, you know, was as skinny as those dudes, you know, whether they go out or whether it's advice, they're going to see other people that do it. And, you know, and it's also looking at the Facebook when you see all these guys working out and, you know, being in shape is, is the most important thing. Can you be fat in the business? Absolutely. But, you know, depending on your style of wrestling, you know, if the Suavecitos are 60 pounds overweight, I'm not sure that that tag team is going to work that that's going to work that well. You know, there's bigger guys, smaller guys, tall guys, short guys. The great thing about the wrestling business is there is a place for everybody as long as it's done right, you know, and understand what you're capable of doing, you know. And we've talked. I don't want to see Danny trying to power bomb Cody. You, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, work in the realm because you want it to look as realistic as possible. Right. I remember years ago, there was like uh, when Sanjay Dutt was in TNA. And, you know, people would complain about his moveset like, oh, Sanjay Dutt, you know, he's power bombing people. But Sanjay Dutt's power bombing Petey Williams. It's like if if Danny's power bombing Adriel, I'm not that concerned about it. You know, if he's power bombing Hammerstone in a match, then I'm concerned about. It. You know, it's like work to your size. Right. You know, don't be guys that all you do are choke slams, power bombs, 
and things like that when you're 150 pounds. You know, that dynamic just doesn't work well. And sure, if they're working guys their weight or smaller than them, yeah, that's fine, but that shouldn't be your moveset because generally you're going to work guys a lot bigger than you. So you need, when you're smaller, to be able to work a faster style, a quicker style. But, you know, and and it isn't like, we don't have guys. Everybody's got to find their niche. You know, Saiku wasn't a power guy. Jack Manley wasn't a power guy. But they also weren't high flyers, but they still fit in the no limits division. Yeah. You know, Saiku was more of a striker and, you know, Japanese style. So it, it, it's different aspects of the game. And, and it's finding yourself. And, you know, they're going to look back in another year or two and look back at saying some of those old matches and be like, wow, we weren't as good as we thought we were. Hopefully. Because if they are, because I, I remember the conversation I had with them one time, and I'm like, because these guys, you know, six, eight months in, they were they were starting to have matches, which is a lot quicker than, yeah. than a lot of people. And it's like, you know, Danny, oh, we're not on the show. What's up? We're not on the show. And it's like, dude, relax. It's like, you guys are really good. For guys who've been doing it for eight eight months, I said if you were doing it for eight years, you guys would fucking suck, because that's where you would be at. Because there's so much to learn, and it's not trying to be rude, it's not trying to be a dick, and it's trying to be as realistic as possible. Because they don't know, they haven't been there yet. Right. All they know is they go in there, they're in training, people are praising them. Hey, wow, you guys do some good shit. And they do the amateur wrestling stuff, and they can do the high pace stuff. So yeah, the the future is bright, but it takes you know it takes a lot of stumbling to get to that spot. And a lot of people, you know, don't think of the how much they're going to falter and how many bad matches they're going to have. As I said, you know, I watched Brian Cage and Kenny King have a shit match at the Silverton. I watched Kenny King, which now makes two matches, have a shit match. With uh, Eli Drake at, at the Silverton, you know, you're always learning. You're always trying to get better. And, and the way you're going to do that is you got to learn from your mistakes. You know, speaking of uh, learning and you guys are, are taking, um, you know, the, the step from learning as singles and you guys are put together as a tag team and now you want to start developing what did you guys do in terms of going about starting to get a sense for each other and how you complement each other so that the matches for you guys start to make sense when you're in the ring with guys like the bad bitches who are, you know, a little more seasoned um, performers. You get that chance to start telling the stories. What was that process like for you guys so that you guys can be, you know, able to hang on the same level as some of the veteran uh, teams that you guys are going to be going against. Um, when it comes to like going against, like, I guess you could say these vet teams, um, we usually like uh, let them, you know, we we give each other like, all right, what what are you guys trying to do, and like, uh, what, are, and they ask, what are you guys trying to do, and then we just kind of like, you know. Uh, collide ideas until we eventually get like that end result 
but a lot of the times or at least before now now we're you know we're giving more like ideas and like having to like i guess like pitch more sure but, like before it was just like listening to them and then like you know i guess like it was either them like getting letting us get our shit in so sure. wrong, and, or like you know just like uh being guided you know listening because you know we, we were younger and we had less like experience back then so like yeah. we would just like go with it you know like we were like all right these guys like are the vets you know let's you know let's li- let's just listen to them but as time has progressed like we've been able to like pitch more and be like hey like what about this or what about this or like let's do this you know Danny was in a natural feel when you guys started tagging did you guys did you feel that you clicked with Ricky right right away or did it take a little bit of time to kind of get on the same page Oh no we we clicked we clicked right away we have so much chemistry so much chemistry um yeah since like the beginning like even before we tag team everyone's like man you guys have i think that's why we progressed so fast because we worked with each other and we pushed each other and and man our chemistry is crazy like i i don't have any chemistry in the ring like with anybody else it's so easy like ricky does stuff in the ring like effortless effortlessly like he does stuff like so effortlessly like i don't like he's he's thinking what I'm thinking, but like as soon as I'm thinking it, like he's that good. So having him alongside me has helped me a lot for sure. Like he makes it easy. That's it. And like you said, like we've been pushing each other since day one. So I feel like that really helped a lot. Cause like, not gonna lie, I mean, I'm sure like everybody, like I was nervous as fuck, you know. So like having my boy there, you know, we're like, oh, it's so, like it's your first day too. So like we we're like we've been in the like on the ride for like since day one. So. Sure. It's really helped a lot. Joe, when you uh, see a young tag team like the Suavecitos and you're, you know, you're starting to see what just was putting two guys together because you needed a team and you're starting to see them kind of mesh together. What is your thought process on how to bring that along where they're not getting rushed too fast, even though, of course, they show this you know, confidence and this passion for, you know, getting further in the business. Is it something that you have to be delicate with so that they don't get too full of themselves, but yet don't get too discouraged um, with what's going on? How do you balance that? Well, it's difficult because we have, let's see, R&B, Unguided, uh, bad bitches, they're on a hiatus. Uh, Death proof, creature feature, suavecitos, sky high, and we kind of added Chase and Nick. So even not counting them, that that's seven tag teams. Okay. Well, if I bring in Toko Uso now, and now we're at eight tag teams. Well, there's only eight or nine matches on a show, so we've tried to make people understand you're not going to be on every show. It, it, it's just the way it is. You know, we have a show this uh, Friday night, future shock and the Swabacitos are actually going to be in a six man tag with Adrian quest. And oh, he's been, he's been on a roll. He's doing new Japan, you know, hopefully he can uh, give these guys some good advice, but the problem becomes 
you need to get you need to go elsewhere. You you need to get those other bookings, and you need to learn. And you know you can't. It's a little easier to be a hothead with us because everybody knows us. Everybody knows you, and you can't go into another locker room and do that. And it's like I've tried to explain to Danny in the past. It's like a lot of guys get bookings based on recommendations from the guys that they're using. Arizona Wrestling, for example, they use 15 of our guys. Well, if, you know, Jay Vidal says, hey, you guys really need to use the Suavecitos, and then they wrestle some Arizona team, the Suavecitos are going there not realizing that they're probably way better than most of those teams who've been doing it three times as long. Right. And you can't let that emotion get the best of you because now not only will the promoter be pissed off, now a guy like Jay Vidal is not going to recommend you somewhere because it makes him look bad. So it's like it's, it's, it's learning the professionalism and doing stuff. It's like you can't work creature feature. And we did, you know, over the last few months, we did combinations of that just to get the younger teams involved in a storyline. But the problem is, again, we have, you know, I can count on my hands and my feet, and there's still more really good guys on our roster and our school that we can utilize, plus the guys we bring in, you know, 30-man rumble, and it's it's easy to fill. It's like, oh, okay, who's going to take this spot? Who's going to take that spot? You know, in the past, we used to do 20 because that was about all we can do, and then 25. And now 30, it's like, well, we can't go to 40, but we could go to 40 if we needed to. Right. So it's them getting their name out. It's getting out there and working other teams because it can get stagnant working sky high three out of five shows. And then the other two shows, they're working Creature Feature. And then they're involved with Chase and Nick. And then we're doing an eight-man tag. And then we're doing a gauntlet match. And we're still trying to keep it fresh and do different things. But, again, there's still only nine matches. So, you know, right now, Death Proof's involved with uh, RMB. Okay. Well, that kind of took them away for three shows. So we didn't have to worry about that. But when Death Proof needed a young team... They wrestled Creature Feature. They wrestled Suavecitos, but then R&B needed it. So how many tag team matches can you have on a show? Yeah. You know, if, if you have just a regular tag, you're looking at four tag team matches. Now, what about all the singles matches right. and, and all those guys? So it's, it's a juggling act of, okay, we're going to put them there. Like on this show, Sky High doesn't have a spot. Normally, that's a show the younger guys are going to get on, but we're making sure, like, you know, Bodie's going to be on the show and, and Alice Blair, and we're trying to get them because they haven't gotten as many opportunities because we've run bigger shows. Right. And the bottom line, they weren't ready for the bigger shows, so they're not going to be put on it, regardless if it's three shows in a row they're not going to be on. So we specifically made a future shock on the 28th. But Sky High will be on the show June 5th. And then we take the week off to the anniversary. And then on the anniversary show, you know, these combinations, you know, right now the Suavecitos will probably be the pre-show match because the Rumble's not going to do anything for them. You know what I mean? It's like to throw them in there and throw four tag teams in 
where it's kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. So I'd rather try to provide them a match because especially night one, there's only going to be six or seven matches total because the rumble alone is close to 45 minutes. Right. So it's trying to get people the experience. It's trying to get them to work. We encourage, you know, come down to the training classes. You know, sometimes people get a little complacent. Hey, we're on the shows. We don't got to work hard to get better. It's like, you know, that's the place where you go and you learn your new things and you try stuff out. You know, I've seen a few times people trying to stop, you know, trying to uh, try something new on a show and then fuck it up and it looks like shit. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of that, um, you guys having to live up to those expectations. How pressureful have you found the situation? Has it become more easy for you guys when you get the opportunities to try to shine as opposed to, you know, leaving a bad taste in everybody's mouth going, ah, you know, that wasn't good. And then you got to worry about if it wasn't good, when's the next time I'm going to get that opportunity to show that, no, that was just a fluke this is how good we really are. Uh, yeah, we know exactly what we're doing when we're talking. Like, we're adding more pressure to us. We're adding more ice to us. Like, oh, these guys think these guys think they're so good. All eyes are on us. So we, we have to go out there and we have to perform and we have to live up to everything we, we know we, we say. You know, it adds a little bit more pressure, but that, that's, the way, that's the way we like it because, you know, nine times out of ten, we have done that. And and uh, matches we haven't had that are good, um, we learn we learn more than if the match was actually good. Sure. Like yeah. we 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 learn. So it's just like, look, yeah, you're pissed off like when it happens, but then you learn like the bad bitches match. We learned so much from that match, so much from the match that I'm happy that happened because now we we learned something from it that we wouldn't have learned that training no matter how many times you know we we've been there you know. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And I feel like we bounced back after that bad bitches match uh, I, uh, on the uh, the last creature feature match. I feel like I I, re- I was happy with the creature feature match, and like uh, it was because of the bad bitches match um, that like how my boy said like I'm happy it happened. I'm happy be- I'm happy that we learned because we use that we use those learning experiences and then use them for our next match. You know, so. You know, it's kind of like when you watch football or whatever, you know, the team's undefeated and a lot of people say, you know what, uh, a loss will probably help them more than a lo- than a win because you, you get complacent. Hey, we're the best. We're the best team. You know, nobody's better than us. Oh, I'm going to whoop his ass in a basketball game. And then all of a sudden you lose. Now you got to step back and realize, hey, you know what, overconfidence, cocky. Hey, overlook these guys, blah, blah, blah. You know, in wrestling, it's the same thing as in, in, in any sport. You know, it's easy to go in there like, yeah, we got it. It's the same thing like running a show. Like, ah, man, we're killing it. These shows are fucking awesome. And then all of a sudden, something bad happens, and then it ends up snowballing sometimes, and you're like, wow, this should have been a great show, but it fucking sucked. Yeah. And, you know, it, it happens, and it makes you, you know, realize – you know what? You just can't take anything for granted. You got to make sure you're prepared. You got to make sure, you know, you're ready to go at any time. And, you know, 
we have extremely high standards. You know, there's a lot of companies you see out there and it's like, wow, that guy got booked on a show. That guy's the shits. You know what I mean? And it's like, damn. And, you know, it's crazy to me that I guess these days it's, it's, it's really amazing to me, a, how many companies, I don't even know if you call them a real company that, that, that runs shows, you know, all over the place. California's probably got, you know, a hundred companies that are running. And it's like, if they do 60 people at them, they're happy. And it's like, you know, I remember some guys coming in and they're like looking behind the curtain. I remember one time at the Silverton and the dude's looking over. He's like, wow, there's a lot of motherfucking people here. And I'm like, yeah. And he was like legit nervous. Like, shit, there's like 600 motherfuckers in this place, you know? And even with me at the school shows, when when we do a show and there's, you know, we had to do them with the pandemic at 50%. It's just... It, it, level is just not there you know there's 50 people like i know that and i guess for the wrestlers sometimes it's different but sometimes it isn't you know performing in front of anybody you know i've seen guys performing in front of nobody when they're doing their practice matches and stuff and those are the guys that you know you know are really want it that you know because they're putting that effort 24 7 you know it's easy to put an effort when you look out there and see 500 people. Yeah. Well, if you think 500 people are going to show up and only 87 showed up, are you going to work the same way? Yeah. You know, if you're good, you're better. How are you guys going about developing in terms of promos? And then, Joe, how do you go about fitting in promos into a show or how should they go about doing promos to get things out there so people are more familiar with the characters going into the matches well let's go back to the beginning they kind of came out we put them together as a tag we, we tried to get them involved with some heel tag teams and you know they're new so first off people don't know who they are they don't know their local guys they don't know if they're just one-off guys so they're wrestling who we perceive as heels say the bonus boys at the time rmb and because the R&B, they've been champions forever, and they've been around forever, there's a lot of respect there. So despite the Suavecitos coming out and, and hanging tough with them and, and having a good match, the, the, the crowd was more behind a team that, that's perceived as a heel team. Yeah. And they wrestled Death Proof, and it was, this, it was the same way. Not that they're heels, but they had a hard time getting the fans to react to them positive. And the thing was, during the matches, they were trying to get the fans behind them, and they weren't. And I told them they need to play off that. And we kind of set things in motion for them to be the, the heels. And, you know, I made that perception. It was like, hey. You know what? You guys are giving it 100%. You guys are, you know, excited to be here and excited to wrestle in front of the fans. And you guys really don't give a fuck about us. And that was their mentality that they needed to have and take that perception when they step into the ring. And then they slowly got that to where now, you know, the the, the, the crowd is is 
obviously they're over with the crowd, but they're over with them as heels. And the minute they walk out, you hear the Suave Butos chant, and they see Danny get riled up. I, I was on commentary, and I was joking because, like, Ricky's getting his ass beat, and Danny's not even worried about the tag. He's busy yelling at Garth and the guy over there in the corner about what they're saying to him. And it's like he's not even paying attention to what's going on in the match. It's like, oh, I hope he doesn't have to break something up because he ain't going to be there to do it. But th- that natural anger and, and that the that personality, you know, really vibes the crowd. Like there's times like – I believe people want to punch Danny in the face. I know there's times I've wanted to punch Danny in the face. You know, it's like, you know, he draws that heat. You know, there's no doubt about it. You know, because they joke and they're like, oh, they really hate the swap of seat those. I'm like, yeah, they really don't hate, Rick, hate Ricky. They just hate you. You, you, you know what I mean? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, but because Ricky's part of the team, they're not going to cheer him either. You know? Right. And now there's cool things that the Suavecitos would do that they kind of stopped doing because that might draw a pop because of the fact that, you know, it looks good. You you know what I mean? And I always insist that, you know, try to still do your cool shit, but as long as you're surrounding it by, you know, heelish behavior, you know, it's fine. You know what I mean? Because, we also are trying to have them grow as wrestlers and as a tag team. And if you stymie what you're doing because, hey, I need to get heat, well, you're not punch-kick guys. So don't sit there and only punch-kick because you're not going to get better. You know, you need to do the stuff. You know, maybe in 1997, you'd have to still do that. Right. In 2021, you could still do the coolest shit in the world. And... People are going to like you or they're not going to like you. Like, we've learned. People started liking Eli Everfly because they saw him consistently, and he did super cool shit. So when we put him with Jay Vidal, it was easy to accept him as his babyface partner, yet he'd never really done anything as a babyface to change from when he came out as a heel and wrestled babyfaces like Jay Vidal. It was like it was an easy acceptance. And, you know... Those are easy terms. Like, you know, a lot of times I'm sitting there like, what are we going to do? How are we going to transition this to turn him heel, turn him face? Like the Suavecitos didn't need to do much to turn heel. You know what I mean? Eli Everfly was put in a great position to become a face. And, you know, the unguided, they they have a lot of fans because, A, Damian Drake has been a fan favorite for many years. And Matt Vandergriff's one of the most exciting wrestlers you're going to see. So if you're a fan of wrestling, how do you really hate those guys? Right. You know what I mean? The only way you hate them is if they wrestle a death proof because they love Cody and Jake for 10 years instead of Damian Drake for six. And, you know, and we saw, and we've also seen the the crowd turn a little on death proof uh, a couple shows ago. Yeah. You know, they felt they were whining about the tag team thing, but then they came out later and then they got cheered. So, you know, it's, it's a lot more difficult with the, 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 the FSW arena fan base because the FSW arena fan base features 50 or 60 of the hardcores that come to every show. Well, when there's only 70 or 80, 
they're going to outweigh people that may boo the unguided at, say, a casino show because now there are a lot more random fans that know a little bit about the product. They know nothing about the product in some cases. They're there because Leo Rush is there. They're there because Matt Hardy was there, you know, and they see these guys come out and immediately they're going to boo. Well, when you have 400 people and only 70 or 80 love the unguided, it's going to be tilted more toward people actually cheering or booing for them, how they see them in the ring. And in the ring, they might do cool stuff, the unguided, but you can see that they are a heel tag team. And, you know, the, the George Furmans and the Chiefs and that whole crew, there's nothing they could do that's going to stop them from liking somebody right. that happens to be. Because as I knew growing up, you know, all my favorite wrestlers were heels. Yeah. Like, I, I hated Hulk Hogan worse than anybody in wrestling. You know, I, I would always hope that Stan Hansen or, you know, anybody, even Earthquake, who I didn't even like, would, would anybody <laughs> Hogan. You know, I, I just hated the dude. And, you know, I was always the Rick Rude guy, Jake the Snake Roberts. You know, all those heels. Yeah. Um, hey, hey, hey. I, I heard that. Where are your favorite uh, tag team heels? Yes, sir. Solicito, the most hated guys in the city. Huh? Is that true? Hope, hopefully, they'll be the hated guys in the States. Yes. <laughs> we are. <laughs> yeah, we already are. <laughs> but, you know, going along with that, guys, how are you guys uh, feeling that you guys are developing in that sense where you're able to get the heat you need to get. Um, but you also, you know, are going to feel a sense of that loyal fan base liking you because they know who you guys are and they are, um, appreciative of everything that you guys put in. Is it, you know, is it hard sometimes to go out there and just, you know, be dicks to get the point across that you guys are assholes? Uh, we're, we're just, uh, we're just ourselves, man. Uh, I don't know why they hate us so much. I don't know what we did. Like all we did was, I don't know. We, we turned heel and then they just, damn, they just despise us. You know, I don't know if it was the dancing or, or what it is, but we like it cause you feed off the energy. It exactly. makes it so much easier. Yeah. I remember we came out in that gauntlet and it was so like you could feel the hate. Like it feel like they wanted to get in the ring and like punch us in the face. Like that hate was real. So it made us like angry. Like so I love it. I just love it. There's like no feeling, no feeling towards it. I love it too. I love talking shit to them. Yeah. <laughs> and and how is it for you guys too when you uh you guys are first coming up with stuff uh like merchandise for the first time? What has that process been for you guys? Hey, <laughs> hey, Salacito shirt. Ricky Salacito shirt. Show hey, that. Hey, why aren't you wearing yours? Yeah, bros, why aren't you wearing your Salacito shirt? Uh, maybe you had to give me one. Ricky got you. I am, you know, all the dudes you're behind, you should give me like 40 of them so I could sell them and maybe get some of that money back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no comment. Yeah. But, but who? Uh, how did they're, you... they're twenty five bucks, but I'll give you one for ten bucks. I think. 
Thanks. Suavecito <laughs> discount. The Suavecito discount. The five finger discount. You. Yeah. Who who's coming up with the designs for stuff like that for you guys? So um, we watch like uh, like a lot of like Chicano movies, like from the hood, um, and like like the Chicano artwork and stuff like that. Uh, Mikey did the t-shirt design, and we also got a whole bunch of designs coming that we haven't released yet because everything's a move. We put we got certain things going somewhere, huh? But Low yeah, Easter the- eggs. little Easter eggs. Yeah, Mike, Mike Mikey's a beast. Like that fool. Definitely knows his shit. So, so when you're when you're looking at a team like this and the potential of the fans starting to like them, how do you like toe that line so that you can keep your storyline or where you want to get to and not have it changed by the fans' reaction? Or do you sometimes have to take that you know left hand turn and you know go with what the fans are feeling about the team? You have to adjust. You have to see. It's it's never all or nothing. It isn't going to be they hate him this week and then at the next show it's like, oh, yeah, we love these guys. No, it's going to be a slow burn where all of a sudden a few people start liking them. Then a few more people start liking them. Then, you, you know, you, you you watch what happens. You know, everything happens for a reason, you know. Certain things, uh, like I said, I'm always adjusting to what, you know, is best. And, you know, sometimes you try to hold it off a little bit, but when you know where you're going, it's the way it is. It's like uh, as as popular as Graves was, uh, we saw that as much as he was liked, that they liked Stefa more. And I knew that at Samstown – you know, Gra- Graves turning on Sefa in the Hammerstone match, you know, we set it up perfectly. They worked together as a tag. You know, he came out and made the save. And they, the fans invested in, I'm pretty sure that when Sefa was getting beat down and it was Gallo and Hammerstone whatever was going on, you can hear the fans chant for Graves because that was the guy who had helped them before. And that was one of the best moments of stunned silence that, you know, I recall seeing in an FSW ring in a long time. When he laid them out, and that's how Hammerstone won the Nevada State title, people were just like, what the fuck? And again, wrestling is what it is. And to get a lot of people to feel that way was amazing. And then when Graves had won the case earlier and then the 1% won and all of a sudden out of nowhere, Hammerstone and Graves come in and clocked them with the fucking case and then won the tag titles, people were stunned even more. It was just like, Holy shit, I can't believe this just happened. And that's what you're trying to do. You know, you're trying to find those moments. And it's possible that things don't ever happen exactly how you want them to. Sometimes they're better. Sometimes they're worse. Sometimes nobody gives a shit. And that happens. And then you have to adjust from that. You know, I envision what I think could happen 
in any kind of story that I'm trying to put together and reasons for why we're doing this and reasons why we're doing that. And, you know, even though the Suavecitos were a undercard tag team that didn't have any storyline, but they were becoming frequent, making frequent appearances on the shows and seeing that, you know, nobody was booing them in the beginning. Nobody was really cheering them in the beginning. They were kind of just there. And I knew that something needed to be done. And I felt that it could be. And when they did it, they've played the part very well. And and now, you know, they're 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 enjoying the, the I would I would think these guys love it, you know, because now they are on an FSW show and they're getting more heat than a lot of the heels that have been around forever. You know, because again you got you got the one group of heels that are the cool heels and people kind of like them. Then you got the other ones that have been around forever. So R&B is always going to have their fans. They wrestle as heels. They act like heels. They act like douchebags. But they've been around so long, you know, average FSW fan is still going to like them. Yep. You know? And then you got the guys like the Suavecitos and, say, a Ricky Tenacious. And Ricky's a guy that people get really annoyed by. I know I do. <laughs> like, oh, this motherfucker again. It's like, shut the fuck up. But the crowd likes it right? in terms of being able to root against him. You know, uh, when we had Vinny Wasco, and, you know, he was a guy that he would talk big, big game and get his ass whooped. So people looked forward to it. So when Bodie beat him, it was kind of like a big cool deal. Yeah. Like, ah, because they want to laugh at him, you know. But in reality, if you watch Wasco wrestle Remy Marcel after that, they had a really good match. Vinny Wasco can wrestle. Yeah. But because of what we have for him, that's kind of what we had for him. It was either take it or leave it. There's some guys that aren't going to be okay with it. You know, I had to ask Hammerstone, like, hey, what do you think? You know, are you cool with this about, you know, putting over young boy, even though, you know, he didn't do anything in the match and it was all for the storyline and cross. Right. And Hammerstone being the ultimate professional, yeah, he didn't give a fuck. He, I told him the whole story, but I made sure I told him the whole story. I didn't wait for him to show up to the show from Arizona and to be like, oh, hey, by the way, Cross is going to take you out and Young Boy's winning the belt. Like, I didn't want to give him that shock to the system. So I always try to. And, hey, that's another reason you come to training, because you might find out what I have in store for you that weekend. You know, some guys come in and you don't see them all week, and then they're kind of surprised. Or, hey, I'm not on the show. And it's like, no, motherfucker, I haven't seen you in three weeks. So if you can't train for three weeks, why would I put you on the show? Um, and, and you guys, uh, you know, what for you guys, when you look at moving forward, you know, you, you want to progress. But for you guys, up to this point, what is your guys' uh, favorite match or favorite team that you guys have worked 
Um, the the unguided, the unguided. We weren't even a year in the business when we wrestled unguided, and that that match changed our careers. It changed our careers because people looked at us different. It's like, oh, we might have something with these guys after the match. So I think that's probably my face, uh, favorite match, just because of of what it did uh, for our careers. Yeah, and like um, those those guys can go, you know, and like oh, those guys will not slow down. For, they're great guys, like the nicest guys you'll ever meet. But when you're in the ring with them, they will not slow down for anybody. It's go, you're going full force, or they're eating you alive. So that was a very great experience. They're and, really good. And we knew, like, okay, these are kind of like the top dogs right now. So, like, if we can hang with these foods, like, bro, we're, we're, we, we got some, you know. And I'd say we, we hung with them, you know, and like, we're already looking for um, round two, baby, rematch. you know. The rematch can be even better because we're even better. Yep. Yep. And and Joe, has there has there been anything uh, match wise that's stuck out to you as something that you you know thought was kind of the pinnacle so far for them? Yeah, I thought that shit fest with the bad bitches was one of them for sure. <laughs> nah, you know when they first came in, I remember they had like two matches in a row. And they had to wrestle uh, RMB and Death Proof, and it was like. You know, they showed they could hung with two of the best tag teams we've ever had at, at a very young time. You know, I remember early on with Sky High when they stepped in with the R&B, they had a shit fest. And it was like everybody was hyping them. Oh, Mondo and Robbie, man. You know, and, and, and they were kind of newer to us because they were with Sin. And then they came over. So they weren't with us for that long a time. But they seemed like they, they had some skills. And working over there and working over here are two different things. They, they didn't have a lot of match experience per se, you know. And they were looking good and looking forward to the match. And, you know, bonus boys, you know, look over to me, especially a guy like Clutch, like, given 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 that shake, like, ugh, you know, they didn't do that well, but you know, and the thing is they knew they didn't do that. Well, they were told they didn't do that well and they made sure they worked harder and now they put themselves in a really good position and they had better matches. You know, that's how you learn. And you know, those guys did very, very well. You know, they, they hung with two, two top tag teams. They hung with the unguided. So now it's just getting that experience, keeping you know, growing the personality and the character and, and things like that. And with everything we got going on, I'll be honest with you, you know, guys like them and these other teams, it, it's difficult because you see yourself and be like, man, we want to be tag champs. And it's like, well, there, there's a pecking order. These guys have done it way longer. We have higher standards. But there's a lot of smaller companies that would love to have the Suavecitos or Sky High or Preacher Feature as their tag team champions. Yeah. You know, I, I've i seen tag team champions that are way worse than any of those guys, and those are our fifth, sixth, seventh tag teams. And, and that's what happens. But we're the really good wrestler or the guy who wants to be the best comes to FSW and is okay with being in the low card because he wants to prove that he's the best. Yeah. It's easy to be the best in, in that small pond. 
you know, as they say, big fish, small pond, you know, but what happens in the big picture? Well, if you could make it an FSW and, and, and be a star, well, there's a good chance that there's a lot of other big companies like GW now uses Jay Vidal and, and, you know, the, the unguided and Eli Everfly had one of the craziest matches I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, I'm literally afraid to have GCW come into our arena for a joint show just because of the fact that Rocky's going to have to patch up a lot of fucking walls. Like, these motherfuckers are insane. Like, that six-man tag, you know, they didn't even use the light tubes in that match. It was the, it was the doors and Eli Everfly jumping off, you know, a 20-foot balcony. It was like, it was some insane shit. Um, you know, when you think of uh, things coming up here, Joe, um, we got Future Shock on Friday. FSW Network subscribers will be able to see that. Um, what uh, What are the plans for uh, Suavecitos um, for that show coming up? As I said, they're going to be working in a six-man tag with uh, Adrian Quest, who's going to be there, which is a really good addition to a future shock show. Uh, surprisingly enough, Adrian Quest at the last show hit me up. And uh, when we were talking, he's like, hey, bro, what do you think about uh, putting me in a six-man with the Suavecitos? And I'm like, you know, let me think about it. And, you know, we're trying to fill up the card, and we got you know, some new talent from Colorado that's coming in. And as I said, we're trying to get a lot of the younger guys, uh, you know, after his uh, self-caused exile, Dynamite Demond's going to be back and he's going to wrestle Nino Black. And we got, you know, as I said, Alice Blair and Dana Lynn, a couple of the younger girls. We got Creature Feature uh, going after the Unguided. Uh, Danica Della Rouge, who had a really good match at the women's show against two men in uh, Jordan Oasis and Vandegrift. She's going to wrestle uh, Sandra Moon. Yeah. So, you know, the, the card is Sin Bodhi's teaming up with Little Bodhi. And it's going to be the, the Bodhi twins. They're going to have uh, kind of like uh, they can come out like Danny DeVito and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. We'll call them the twins. But, you know, there's a lot of people on the show. So it's like just trying to maneuver some things around with, with the new guys. Uh, one kid, Trey Matthews, uh, I guess Remy worked with him before. He put him over. I checked out his stuff and looks really good, you know. So I'm going to have him in a, uh, a four-way match with uh, Ricky Tenacious. Uh, also, uh, Brett the Threat's going to be in that and uh, Jordan Oasis. So that should be, you know, a nice uh, high-impact, high-flying kind of matchup, obviously, except for Ricky Tenacious. Because he kind of gets a little vertigo when he gets to that top rope. <laughs> um, you know, that's that's coming up on Future Shock this weekend. Um, and hey, then, Matt, Matt, yeah, can yeah. I ask you something real quick? Yes. I'm sorry, man. How hard... Are Adrian Quest and Suavecitos together? How cool is that? Hey, well, what's your opinion on that? What's your opinion on that? So, so my initial thought and thinking of, you know, what Joe likes to do is, 
are we potentially looking at maybe the new faction, the new uh, the new hot thing on the block here? Hey, a Latino faction. FSW hey, never had a Latino faction, you know? You know, hey, no. WWE had the nation, the Bodiquas, and the DOA. You know what I'm saying? We got Lights, Camera, Faction. We got the Unguided. We got the, uh, and, and, you know, the Suavecitos, you know, Cousin Adrian, you know, stepping in. The big homie from the hood. We had to make a phone call, huh, Ricky? That's right. Adrian's, Adrian's kickback. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, that's it is something I I've been a fan of uh, Adrian's work, um, so I think that that makes a lot of sense, Joe, um, putting them together, um, and also I think that you know what's really interesting is like you said, the idea of having even a Latino tag team there, you know, we haven't seen a lot of uh, that full out presence in FSW lately of the Latino base being represented. Um, is, is that something that could potentially, you know, two years down the line be something that's bigger, having more of that type of presence? Well, you know, uh, we're also bringing back Danny Limelight who, uh, represents right. the Bodega. Yeah. So with slice boogie, who we've talked to about using. So, you know, the Puerto Ricans against South of the Border is uh, also What's up? down the line. You know what I'm saying? I actually hey, those, hey, those fools are gangsters. Those fools are gangsters. Those fools are gangsters, but they ain't no South Central gangsters. Ah. Ah. Nobody does it like on the 51st block. Oh, 51st Street. I, uh, hey, we, hey, hey, we trying to be the first Latino FSW tag team champions. The first Latino FSW champions ever, period. Incorrect. What? Our very first champions, Cyanide and Vintage Dragon, brother. Who is that? Who is that? Ricky, Ricky, who is that? Um, I, I don't know, actually. Okay. They're two Latin wrestlers. That's who they're at. <laughs> Where are they now? Uh, they're in Cali. No, we from Cali. Never heard of never heard of them in our life, Ricky. Oh, they must not be in the streets. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think Joe, I think you just got yourself uh, a match uh, right there. Bring them in and have them deal with the uh, the young guys. <laughs> oh boy, uh, that could be for the that could be the uh, downtown when we do. Uh, we're putting together the Legends Show featuring. Uh, the past, present, and future of FSW. I think that'd be a nice uh, one-off show. Yeah, almost like W One Night Stand. You know. Yeah. No, that would be excellent. Um, you know, I'd like to see uh, Alcatraz uh, get lured back into the ring out of the uh, coffee business that he just started. So. Yeah, Grand Grandpa Traz. <laughs> um, and <laughs> as we kind of get wrapping up here, um, Joe, let's talk a little bit about the anniversary show. Um, what's going on with, uh, the, um, the announcement of a bigger venue? Is that correct? Yeah, we have a place in check. We're going there tomorrow to finalize everything. The deal's done, but I just want to wait till the deal's actually signed, uh, before we, uh, say what the place is. Sure. But I'll tell you first off, it'll probably seat about 350 to 400, uh, 
You know, it, it's got everything other than, uh, you know, the, the big back that Samstown had. You know what I mean? It's like it's got a nice stage area. And but in the back of the stage, it's probably 30 feet wide, the, uh, you know, the screen right. that we're able to post all, put all our stuff in. You know, we'll go into the middle of the room and they have a, a great lighting system. Sound system is phenomenal. Uh, they got a great little green room area for the dressing room. You know, they got everything we need uh, for a venue. It's located, I'll give you a hint, it's located near the Orleans. It's only a couple minutes away. But more importantly, it is like right on a corner. Like you say where it is and you can't miss it. It's this big, huge building that I had never heard of. And one of our fans said, hey, what about this place? And, you know, I... I, I hit them up as well as a few of the other places, including the one GCW did, right. and their pricing was out of out of their minds. Like it was literally, and I ain't lying, four times the price of Samstown. Okay, so one of the places was a little better deal, but then it was like, well, there's no food and beverage, but if you want to bring in a uh, a liquor guy, it's like, well, you're only going to get a small percentage. Right. So these guys, they gave us the first number, which was way too high. But they said, which got me interested, was we're going to take the food and beverage. And whatever comes off the top, you don't have to pay that. And it was like, okay, well, your price for one night is uh, not what we really can afford. You know, but we want to do two nights. So we were hoping that they would do two for just a little bit more than the one. You sure. know what I mean? Because in Samstown, you know, we could easily do three to four thousand dollars in in liquor costs. Right. So we weren't worried about it. So then we met the guy. Turned out he's a big wrestling fan. And he also worked at the Nitro Grill back in the day as security. <laughs> So then we started talking, you know, Kevin Nash stories and, and all the stuff. But before that, because I met with him uh, last Friday, and it was, hey, we, this is the deal. I talked to the owner, and we could give you the room for this price. And I was like, you got the contract? Let me sign this motherfucker right now. Like, he's giving us a really good deal. So, uh, you know, we... It's also set up with the food. You know, we have an after party there. And I think this could be a, a mainstay for us long term. That's good to hear. Um, and, you know, encouraging to people when you go to the show, definitely have drinks, man. <laughs> have drinks. Yeah, you know, we, we have a menu. We, we talked about the menu because they have some higher end food and stuff, you know. And I'm like, well, you know, people are sitting in chairs. So, you know, we're not going to do a rack of ribs. You, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like we got to do, you know, finger foods and things like that. And he goes, well, you know, do you think of a menu of items between 5 and $10? I'm like, perfect. You know, I'm like, the biggest seller with that at Samstown was the nachos for like 6 bucks. Yeah. 
and you know they had you know two dollar hot dogs and they're like well you know we don't really use the the cheap cheap hot dogs and i'm like i get you i wouldn't need it either so they're gonna be a little steeper but they're also going to do like draft beers so as he said to me their pricing is more pts than obviously at the casino yeah so but the drafts are in there, and one thing that Samstown would never do that I highly recommended was kind of like when you go to a baseball game. Like, a lot of our people don't want to get in a line to wait for 20 minutes or 15 minutes for a beer. I said, have a waitress. If you're going to charge $5 for a draft, just charge 6 and put it on a tray and walk the first row, and I guarantee you your 10 beers will be gone in a minute. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, as long as we get people supporting, which we always do, you know, front row's been sold out. We were able to add a few more. Tomorrow we're going to go measure everything so we know exactly how many front rows because, you know, at Samstown we were able to do about 100. Yeah. And sometimes we'd squeeze where there was no room and it was like 108. You know what I mean? Because my motto has always been, you never run out of front row. But at the school, we had no choice. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, now we're going to measure everything out, you know, 18-foot ring, you know, four or five feet between, you know. They said their seats were uh, 18, 17 and a half inches, so they're a foot and a half. So you need at least 30 feet just to have 20 chairs. Right. Well, where the ramp is, you have a little bit less because you have the, the, the guardrail. So we're hoping we can get to about 22, 23 on those sides, 16 to 18. So we're hoping we can get to 90, which would open up, you know, seven or eight. Because I write them all down, and there's our regulars who reserve them. And then it's like, oh, fuck, I forgot him. Oh, he needed two instead of one. You know, our guy Pat, the, uh, the, the, uh, the driver that's – uh, has our logo on there at at, at the Motor Speedway. Yeah. You know, he's good for three or four. He's like, hey, Joe, I need eight for uh, front row for night one. Uh, all right, let's do it. So we expect a great crowd. The show is going to be insane. You know, Leo, you know, instead of starting the night off with the Rumble like we used to do, now the Rumble's the semi-main because he doesn't, the winner doesn't wrestle to the next day. Right. You know, and we've already added, you know, uh, we got Juicy in it. You know, obviously, if Juicy's in it, his partner Toe is going to be in it, even though we haven't announced him. Uh, we just announced Danny Limelight, which is is awesome. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've also gotten a, a couple other talented guys that haven't wrestled for us before. You know, we want this to be a big deal. And then, you know, Sandra Moon and uh, – Maserati are going to wrestle for the women's championship. Remy Marcel's wrestling Davari. So we got a couple of title matches there. Uh, Hammerstone will defend. Ice will defend. And the Unguided will defend on night two. Or Creature Feature, whoever wins the match this, uh, this weekend. You know? So, you know, we're excited. You know, this... This is the first show, as, as great as the last two that we did, that were, you know, hey, we can, like, put almost 
80% of our fans there. And May 14th and changing the game came off fantastic. Yeah. But this, as again, you, you, hate, you hate to set the bar even higher, but, you know, this has the making of, you know, one of the best shows we ever done. You know what I mean? And and we hope it's better than the Mecca that ended, you know, before the pandemic last year, because Mecca was fantastic. And if that could surpass that, hey, that would be even even greater. And then there's the rumor that in August, SummerSlam's coming here. Now, you know, we're already in talks with a couple of companies, of course, like GCW, about doing that East Coast, West Coast joint show type of thing. But, you know... There's also a good possibility, Natural Born Killers. There's a good possibility that a Mecca, you know, they're, they're, those are all coming back soon. Yeah. You know, uh, we're putting together some names for the Limitless Tournament that we're looking to do in mid-July. And, you know, you, you, you can bet, you know, we're going to bring in some people. Still got that flight on Trey Miguel. You never know. You know, he might be coming out for that, too. So, we're looking at a 12 or 16 man one night tournament uh, and, you know, one one bridge match in between. Yeah. So whatever that is, no idea. But, we're, you know, we're talking to some of the best no limits guys around that, you know, some were on the show last year. And, you know, after watching that five race scramble, having a tournament of that once again, I think is going to be uh, some good business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's great to hear that, you know, things now are finally opening up where, you know, it's going to be just so much more energy in the building with so many fans wanting to see uh, live entertainment. It's just going to be phenomenal. Um, Suavecitos, as we uh, wrap up here, uh, what are your guys' uh, social media handles so people can follow you, get to know you guys, and watch you uh, grow here from the early days? Uh, is there... Uh, Separate, you know, you guys want to give separates, that's that's fine. Yeah, uh, just follow the Los Suavecitos account. Uh, Los Suavecitos with the three instead of E, because you know how we do it, one, three. And uh, thank you, Matt, for having us on, man. Thank whoa, you, whoa. guys. Hefe, hefe, what are the Citos doing on the uh, anniversary show? I told you, you guys are not going to be in the Rumble. I'm going to try to find some opponents for you in the pre-show match. Right. For sure, that sounds like fun. That sounds like fun. Thank you, thank you. You, you know, if you can get uh, Danny Limelight and uh, Papo Esco to uh, go against them, that would be uh, phenomenal. That's a that main card be. match. That's a main card match. Yeah. That's a main yeah. card yeah. match. That would be, but Danny's in the Rumble, so. Oh, yeah. oh, there you go. Not just Danny, Danny Limelight. Yeah. So. yeah. You know, like I said, because of the Rumble, there's only going to be like five other matches. Yeah. And... We already have uh, – it's a scramble, Sandra Moon and Maserati, uh, the uh, Remy Marcel match, and uh, one other that I can't think of that we've announced. But, yeah, there's only going to be five matches in the Rumble. So, well, there so you're getting a match. Yes. All right. There you have it. It's it's oh, yeah. it's committed. It's on paper. The Suavecitos will be at the anniversary show. They might be cleaning up the, uh... Yeah, sell some tickets, fuckos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we got you. We got you. Uh, anything else, Joe, you want to say before uh, we wrap here? 
No, it's just amazing how many things. Now, all of a sudden, you know, it's amazing. We have so much time and nothing going on. And now there's like a hundred things I want to do in, you know, in the next three weeks. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just like, it's crazy how life is. And it's like, you know, what we saw in the past year has never happened before. So it's like, take advantage of every situation that you can uh, because you, you never know what the future is. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And on that note, everyone, thank you for tuning in and, uh, you know, support FSW, subscribe for the network if you haven't, uh, follow the Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting and everything we do. And until next time, everyone, we'll see you later.